You're listening to the Do the Damn Thing podcast with Liz Heron, episode 41. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Do the Damn Thing podcast. My name is Liz Heron, and I am your personal cheerleader, helping you get off your butt and on your way to trying something new, facing your fears, or realizing your dreams. No matter what your damn thing is, whether it's asking for a raise at work, organizing your house, getting out of that toxic relationship, or pursuing your passion project, this show will provide you with real-world, tangible tips and inspiration so you can live the life you deserve. If you're ready to do the damn thing, then you have come to the right place. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump in. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Do the Damn Thing podcast. As always, I'm your host, Liz Heron, and I'm so excited to be here with you today for this episode. I hope you're having a great week. I um, Have you guys been journaling? Have you been trying out all those journal prompts that I gave you last week? I um, I love it. I was doing some journaling this week and kind of came across a whole bunch of like things that I believe that I was like, what the hell is that about? So I love journaling to kind of like break down all of those, um, all the things that we think are just facts. And then to be able to get them out of your head and look at them and go, huh, I don't know if that's always true. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. I, um, I'm really excited about this week's episode because today I am talking to Julian and Heather from the Million Person Project. Now, the Million Person Project is a global project about love, storytelling, and connecting changemakers. Through one-on-one coaching, workshops, and the Story Academy, Million Person Project supports leaders and changemakers to identify and own their personal story in order to powerfully share it and inspire action. The um, Million Person Project was started in 2011 as a project to help 1 million people globally change the world by telling their story. Oh, like how great is that? I just absolutely love the their mission. And since then, since 2011, Heather and Julian have worked with over 3,000 changemakers from 69 countries, authors, TED speakers, activists, students, entrepreneurs, you name it, they've worked with them. And I love the work that they're doing because I know how powerful it is when people get vulnerable and show their humanity. It creates connection. It creates change. And I really feel like that is the way to change the world. So our conversation is really interesting. We talk about the reasons why people don't tell their story. Um, Oh, and I can guarantee that you've definitely had these same thoughts because I know I have. We talk about why your unique insights are needed in the world right now and how you can make a difference even when your voice is shaking, right? So even when you're scared to death to share your story and you think it's not going to matter, it matters and you can inspire change. Um, Heather and Julian also share their beautiful love story, which totally made me tear up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> of course, it made me cry. And you might even hear some coos from their adorable baby in the background. So if you have a story you're dying to tell, this is the episode for you. And if you don't think you have a story worth telling, this episode is definitely for you. All right, let's get to today's episode. Hello, Julian and Heather. I am so excited to have you guys on the show today. Yes, we're so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Liz. Nice to talk to you. Yes. Good talking to you. I, um, I'm i so interested in this project. I'm going to have you guys jump in right away and, and tell my listeners about it. It's called The Million Person Project. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So give a little bit of background on um, 
like your guys' story and, and how you started this and what the project's all about. Yeah. So the Million Person Project is a project that supports leaders in telling their truest personal story publicly. And Julian can give a little background on how we started. Yeah, we started the Million Person Project in 2011. It, it, it has its roots in a few different places. But one of the big places that, uh, that kind of brought us to the work uh, w- was around leadership and seeing leaders and being exposed to leaders that we really admired, but not seeing their powerful leadership and their powerful stories being reflected when they were speaking publicly. So Heather and I both have a background in the nonprofit space, particularly within the environmental and environmental justice space. And uh, so we'd be going to conferences uh, around the country, around the world, UN conferences and the like. And at those types of conferences, you always have the opportunity to really uh, hang out with people and go to dinner and coffee and drinks and all the rest. Like, like that's so, where so much of the relationships are built are in those in between times. And during those times, we'd meet leaders from all over the world: farmers from Uganda, uh, young cultural activists from the Pacific Islands, people from all over the world doing really powerful work. And all too often, we would meet those people, hear their stories, be completely moved by them, and then so we would go to their panel or their keynote, or whatever, and we'd go to see this brilliant leader. And all of the stories that we heard, and all of the humanity that we heard, and all of the passion and drive that was really moving them around these important issues was often gone. And it was just facts and figures and these dry PowerPoints um, and program notes, but none of the humanity, you know? So we really felt like, wow, this is, uh, there's something missing here. And these leaders are too powerful and too important not to be translating that power. And it's through story that you can translate the power. So that's why we started the Million Person Project, to, to help leaders all over the world. And our, our vision is, is if we could help uh, a million leaders really stand boldly and completely in their truth and in their story, that we could change the world just by that act alone. That's awesome. And because I've, I've so been there. I've been at conferences, right, where you, same thing, like you connect with somebody and then you go and see their their presentation or whatever it is. And you're like, who is this person? Like, where's that fun person I met at the right. cocktail hour yeah. or that fun person that, you know, I was talking to at breakfast or, and I think so often, especially in those spaces, they feel like it needs to be the cut and dry, like very analytical, very like by the book numbers, like to your point, like almost erasing the humanity of the person giving the talk or telling, you know, presenting the information. Yeah. And it was interesting when we asked people why they weren't telling their stories, people, and this is the same with the people, the clients that we work with, people tend to fall on one pretty extreme end of the spectrum, which is, I feel like I don't really have a story. I don't have one of those stories. I, you know, or I feel like my story is too personal and it would be too hard to tell. And so that's what our curriculum addresses is walking people from either end of those spectrum to really be able to stand in their truth, no matter what it is. Yeah. Cause I think I, cause I know I've definitely had both of those thoughts <laughs> along with the like, Oh, like somebody else already has a very similar story, right? Like you don't feel like there's anything special about your particular um, experience. Right. So that's, yeah, absolutely something that we come across a lot. And we, we love that. We're always glad when somebody is telling us they don't have a story or their story won't resonate because we've never found it to be true. So it's always a fun challenge for us. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I'll say about the way that we do our work or think about our work is we recognize, particularly in leadership, storytelling is really powerful as a vehicle to express your values. 
So sometimes folks will tell a story, but if you haven't done the reflection to understand and think about how it's really connected to what you're doing um, or the purpose of your talk, um, sometimes the story can can fall flat. But when you really do the work of thinking about well, what is the value I want people to understand about my leadership? What is the value I want them to understand about what moves and guides me in the world? And you use story to illustrate that. That's when we find that it's, you know, very powerful and really supports people, um, you know, th- that th- that then there is no story that's not interesting. When you're really understanding, you know, why you're sharing it and you're doing it to transmit your deep values, really help people understand where you're coming from. There's no story that's not interesting. And, and the details, uh, you know, might be similar to somebody else's. But your takeaways, the wisdom you gained, your understanding and insights around the world, those are 100 percent yours. And those are unique to you. And though that's where we, you know, so much of the learning is. And, and when we get really excited, when people are breaking through around that. Yeah. And so my other question is about, cause I was just thinking about this and, and I did, um, I kind of touched on it in a previous episode about like vulnerability, right. And like sharing those personal stories. And I've found that one, it's hard <laughs> to be vulnerable, right? It takes, it takes some courage. It takes yeah, it just takes a lot, a lot of guts. Yeah. But I have found that in the episodes that I've done on this show, the ones where I've gotten vulnerable and kind of been scared to share have been the ones that have resonated the most with people. And I want to talk a little bit about like just how to, I guess, like how to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like how do you kind of get through that, you know, that kind of block of like, oh, this is too personal yeah. or it's either too much or... um I think sometimes you think that it's going to scare people away too, yep. right? Or you're going to be seen in a, in a different light. How do you guys address yeah. that? Yeah. You know, it, the first thing I think is really having the desire to shift culture, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to make more room in our culture for personal stories and vulnerable personal stories, because then when you start telling your story and your voice is shaking a little, you realize that the courage that you have, that you are displaying in that moment is, is inviting someone else to be their whole self. Mm -hmm. And that can make it, that can change a room. You know, you feel it. Can't you feel it in a room or when you, when someone starts saying something really true to them and you can tell by their body language and maybe the little shakiness in their voice or their hands that is really, really meaningful and important to them to be saying that the whole room sits up. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's right. And, you know, in terms of how we work with folks and what we teach uh, in our work, it's a lot of it has to do with, we do a lot of work around audience and who are you speaking to and why, and not just like, you know, what's the basic demographics of the room, but like, who is the person that if you gave a talk or you did a piece of writing and somebody came up and gave you feedback, who's the one person that you'd be like, okay, I did my job. They got it right. Mm. Oh, I broke through with that type of person or that young person came up and said it shifted how they understood their experience and gave them hope in the, in a given situation, whatever. Like um, when you're able to kind of tap into who you're speaking to and why I think a lot of people find courage there. When you recognize that your story can change lives, even just one, people tend to then be like, okay, this is hard. I'm scared, but I want to be someone who's stepping into my power and stepping through the fear so that I can help others, so that I can like help set other people free, right? And and um, help people find their path. Yeah. So that's one of the ways that we coach people is to 
you know, get out of the story and into the purpose of the sharing. Really think about that. And then, you know, practically speaking, in terms of how you do it, a lot of it does have to do with practice, really understanding your purpose and why you're sharing. But then just, you know, in front of the mirror with your best friend, with your partner, with a handful of folks, like working your way up to more public sharing. Um, that's something that we find is, is really useful to because some stories people are like, I'm not even sure I can make it through. Right. I don't know. I'm yeah, <laughs> that's real, you know, and so yeah, you know that that's, um, you know, a possibility doing your best to um, keep your eye on the purpose, but also, you know, working through it when you're not in front of a bunch of people. Right. So that when you are, you might feel the emotion, but you don't get caught, caught up and lost in it. Yeah. And, you know, even that's OK. Yeah. People are so gracious, you know, they, they'll give you a second. <laughs> I was thinking they really are like when you guys were talking about those being in a room with somebody who's sharing something vulnerable and like their voice catching, like any time that that has happened, you kind of feel this like groundswell of support, right? Like it's almost like the entire audience will like lean into that instead of backing away, yeah. right? It's not like it's a turnoff. It's much more of a like, we've got you, you know, you're, you're supported, right? You're so right. Which is so interesting because I think the first thing you think is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be shunned. No one's going to know what I'm talking about. If I start crying, they're going to freak out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I just, you just reminded me, I, I just popped open this quote in our book. It's, it's from this woman, uh, Samita Mukhopadhyay. Uh, she's the executive editor at, at Teen Vogue. And she says, just the practice of telling the story in front of a group of people and seeing the opening that is created, not a closing off, not a judgment, but an opening. Mm -hmm. That's the most transformative experience. She was talking about sharing her story. Uh, I, I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying, right? When, when you really go there, you open up space and you open up connection and people lean in, as you said, yeah. not lean away. And I think people, were, yeah, we're all... people will lean away and they just don't. It's not who we are yeah. as humans. <laughs> it's like an emotional trust fall, yeah, wow. right? Like yeah. you're like, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So what sort of projects do, um, do you guys work on? Cause it sounds like it's a lot of public speaking. I know that there's like Ted talks and um, that sort of stuff, but is it also, writing and like I don't know if it's like blogging or like what kind of things are or projects are you guys uh, do you guys support yeah it's really all of the above it's all of the above I mean we talk about our work in terms of public speaking a lot because I think it's one of the most straightforward ways to understand storytelling but people use uh you, you know people use it for writing um I'm working with a woman who's writing a book and she's weaving her story throughout so it's not it's not like a memoir it's a book that's around yeah. organizing and, and um, you know, it's a, a lot of tools and uh, processes that people can use in facilitation, but she wants it all wrapped in story. So I'm working with her on that. Um, we just got back from a trip to New York, working with indigenous leaders from all over the world who were in New York to speak at the UN, who were there on uh, as part of the climate strike that just took place. Uh, oh, we're yeah. working with those folks. They are speaking from the stage. Um, and then who are some of the leaders that you like yeah we work with you know for some of the leaders that we work with it's about shattering stigma about mm. you know a, a story that isn't usually told publicly and so we really find the right venue for those because sometimes the right venue is a, a written article that someone can digest at their own pace as opposed to told from the stage so we've had for example, my my dear friend and client, Caledonia Curry, she's an artist who goes by Swoon. She has done an op-ed uh, for CNN on what did it mean to go through a process of forgiveness 
to her parents who were addicted to heroin for much of her childhood. And so it was really breaking the stigma around, you know, around addiction and just trying to shift the, the, the narrative from, oh, addicts are just throwaway people, right? You know, yeah. doing a bad job raising their kids to say like, no, this is, this, this is how I welcomed back in my parents as whole people. And yeah. It was a really, really powerful piece, and it, you know, it went got passed all over the world, and it really realized, you know, when when that when that came out, that this part of the story is not being told in our world right now. Oh yeah, I think especially with when it comes to stuff like that, right? Like you, there's the blaming of those of you know, like parents who have addiction issues instead of the like, you know. Right, you take the good and the bad. Right, right? Yeah, like if you're going to blame them for the bad, you have to give them credit for the good yeah. that mm-hmm. you know is created and and your positive. Yeah, yeah, like the you know the strength and resilience and that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's really cool because our work it, it's you know we we just we we like pinch ourselves every day because because of the scope and the breadth of the type of people that we get to work with and the type of leaders. Some of them are very much front of the room leaders on these issues like climate change or you know, criminal justice reform. And some people are like, you know, I just, I feel like I've experienced a lot of healing in the last two years around, around my upbringing or around this relationship that fell apart or around my own addiction, whatever it is. And I just want to share it. And I don't know where it's going. You know, so sometimes we we get folks like that who just feel like they want to explore, you know, explore their voice and kind of learn better what's there. Um, And so to get to work across that gap is really, really awesome. Um, It's really just, yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, it is. We're very fortunate. <laughs> how, since I know you work with a lot of leaders, how hard is it to kind of, you know, I guess like break that habit of like not having personal stories in your, you know, presentations and stuff? Because again, like it's this idea of like, here's the information, like you, like how, what's the best way to deliver the information? I think sometimes it feels very counterintuitive to make it personal. Yeah. And how do you like, how do you get over that? How do you kind of help them see? They're shaking your head here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is the this is one of the hardest parts of my job, and I experience it as, you know, patience. Like I have to have patience, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's why I'm shaking my head because I'm like, (laughs) that little squealing. That's our son. That's Roman. (laughs) Aw. Um, but so people have to want to be more than just the expert on the subject that they are presenting on. They have to want to be seen as a full person and their whole self, you know? And so reminding people of why that's important to them, you know, and and reminding people of the opportunity, you know, everybody thinks their own, like everybody just thinks like, oh, I'm not that interesting or I'm not that, it's not that impactful. I mean, almost everyone we work with, you know, expresses some variation of that. And it's really about going through a process of owning that that's not true. Like owning your power, owning the power of your truth. When you start to do that, then you see every, when you, when you see a room full of 30 people and you think, okay, I'm going to present this or I'm going to spend four minutes at the beginning, sharing my why, 
why I, why I started this project in the first place or why I did this research or whatever it is that in, in a way that's personal, you really realize that not only is the work that you're presenting impactful, but you as a leader are showing up as a new type of leader, yeah. one that brings their whole self. And that is the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing, I, I don't have anything to add to that other than to just drive home the point that their story and, you know, um, technical content are not mutually exclusive. I think one of the misconceptions people have is either I'm the storytelling person up there spilling my guts or I'm the expert in the room with all the info, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and so I can't be both. So today I'm choosing to be the expert in the room and, I, and also tomorrow and for the next yeah. thousand days. Right. And so we really work with people to understand yeah. how you can artfully weave in story throughout and know like, yeah, you, you know, your numbers and stuff can tell a story, too. And so tell a story with them. So that's part of it. But and then again, as Heather said, sort of but allowing people to really see and understand what your guiding motivations are, are really it's just a really way to start almost any talk. You know, so even if you just have a minute or two, it can be really a, a powerful way to 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 create that connection that we talked about earlier and to create that opening. Um, and so just, yeah, driving home that point that just because you have lots of uh, expertise and information, great. Bring yourself and your story to that and it will be even more powerful and people will uh, leave with uh, even more understanding. Yeah, because even if, you know, I guess to, I'm, I'm thinking about this to your point of like, right, like knowing what your why is and sharing that with people, like that's going to be very personal to each person, like each person's going to have a different reason why, like maybe they got into a certain field or did certain research. Like that's not going to be like the numbers might be the same, right? Like the, the data, but your personal story is what's going to like, that's right. no one and else it, has and that. It will, and it often, that's what will set you apart, right? That's the one, the person who's willing to go there yeah. is a lot of times the one that folks are like, Ooh, I remember them. They were great. <laughs> We've seen it time and again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. So you guys have a book coming out, um, How Your Story Sets You Free. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about that and like kind of what was the impetus for the book and, and, and what you hope to accomplish with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's called How Your Story Sets You Free. It is out right now. We're available where all fine books are sold. We're so proud of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. And it, <laughs> we will definitely put a link cool, in the show notes thank for you. this. <laughs> It, you know, we've been doing this work since 2011, and we run workshops and do six-month sort of coaching packages with people. And what we did in this book is distill that whole curriculum into the this little orange book. And the intention is that the reader can move through the process of exploring their stories, identifying their stories putting them into a format and for a presentation or a piece of writing. And yeah, so it's a little like inspirational guide to storytelling. It shares some stories of ours and of our clients. And yeah, it's kind of, you know, one part inspiration and one part how to of really saying, you know, as you said, people, um, it can be very intimidating to even start the process of trying to understand what your story is. And so this book, we tried to break it down in a way that people could really you know, that it would be really useful whether you're planning on telling your story publicly or not. We believe so deeply in the value of just that reflection and exploration, what that could mean for an individual just on a personal level. That's good. I mean, that's that's like, you know, we we, yeah. we always want our storytellers to get their stories in the world. But even that process of reflection can just be really meaningful for folks. So we wanted to 
do what we, you know, take what we did and make it available and easy. It's a book that can fit in your pocket. You know, it's very short and cute. It's got gold leaf on it. I really like gold leaf. So I was real <laughs> happy with that design. It's very bright. I love that how bright it right. is. Yeah. And and the content is bright. You know, it's it's I would say it's kind of a, you know, a hopeful and optimistic take on story and the power of story uh, with with some real rigorous tools around how to get there. And I love that idea about like, even if you're not planning on sharing your story, like on a TED stage or, you know, writing a book or kind of like in these bigger, more like high visibility venues, the idea of like just sharing your story like with someone else mm-hmm. in your life, right? Or just kind of, you know, it could be, I'm trying to think like, you know, at a small, like either networking event or a PTA meeting or, you know, something where just kind of bringing that to your daily life is, could be so valuable. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. Yeah. And one of our friends and someone that we've done some work with, she, she lives up in Olympia, Crescent Kalimpong, and she got the book and she read the book. And then she decided to, invite five or six of her friends over for an evening I think it was last Thursday and they did the life mapping exercise which is a exercise we lay out in the book that's really about mapping out your life from beginning to now of all the influential people that have impacted you the turning points the choices that you've made the choices that were made for you and you you know you do pens or brands or whatever and she she just said that it was such an amazing night because she got to learn so much about these women that she's in community with but on such a deeper level and it was so relatively easy you know to do yeah I love that I love that idea of like kind of mapping all that stuff out because I think we just kind of either take it for granted right or it's like oh yeah that happened and like sometimes you kind of forget like you know, just kind of the awesome things that you've done or the things that you've survived, right? I think just put the human condition is to just kind of keep moving forward, right? And like to not kind of reflect on that stuff. So I love an exercise like that. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that one. You should do it. It, I think you would, um, it's, (laughs) it's deep. It's surprising. I think when you, what we don't do is we don't take the opportunity to really take a step back and look. We think about things here and there, maybe in passing, we're on the bus, we're whatever, we're kind of, you know, maybe maybe daydreaming about some of the things we've been through. But to actually try to put it all down and see it all in one place, there's a lot of breakthroughs that can take place and connections. You know, it's so powerful. And and I want to encourage you, don't just do it, but share it. Because a lot of the breakthroughs come come in the sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the connections that people didn't see or notice, you will hear them sharing in one of our workshops. And they're like, oh, wait this is the first time I'm really seeing this, but you know, this is really where that started or whatever. Um, so that's the kind yeah. of thing that we see. And, and that's, we talk about it as an opportunity to, you know, we call it life gazing is one of the ways we refer to it, but just softening the gaze and seeing what's there. Uh, I think sometimes people put too much pressure to try to identify the perfect story. And it's like, let's just look at all the stories. Let's see what we have mm-hmm. to work with. Uh, and then we can go from there. Yeah. And sometimes you see, you find a thread, right? Like I've done that in times and where I've, all of a sudden we'll see a thread that I never saw before. They're like, Oh, I didn't realize that like this connected to this or like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, yeah. Like these experiences either mirror each other or there's something there. And that's why we do it. That's why we say, you know what, let's take the pressure off of what's the perfect story for your given situation or your professional setting or whatever it is. Let's just see them all. And and then you, Mm -hmm. you find surprising connections and people end up with narratives that they never would have dreamt telling or didn't understand was really the root of their work. Uh, you know, and just totally transforming their understanding of what moves them um, and kind of bringing it to light. It's very cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I recently had this really interesting thread reveal itself when I was doing, it was the first time I had done a life map like three weeks ago. First time I had done a life map since I had a baby. And so Mm. Roman was born in March. So he's six months old now and putting him on the map and putting the pregnancy on the map and reflecting on that. There was a thread of my story about, you know, really going so big when somebody tells me I can't (laughs) that revealed itself. And I was like, Ooh, that's so (laughs) interesting because at the end of my pregnancy, there was some, some complications and they were wanting to induce me at 37 weeks. And I just had to ground into my body and trust myself. I did not feel aligned with what was being said. And they were kind of like, well, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't have a natural birth and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, you watch. <laughs> and so reflecting on that sort of trait and that value, I saw it looking back on my map all the way through. And it's like, it's not the best value necessarily. I mean, don't need to judge my values, but you know, it's there yeah, and it's, it's there. an important part of my personality and it's an important part of my life story when you start to look at the origin of that stuff. Well, I love that Julian chuckled when you said that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, so I want to know a little bit more about you guys. So what is your story? Yeah, cool. Well, um, so my story is, um, it, take, it, it takes place on here in the Northern, Northern California. I was born in Oakland and I was raised up in a, a little town called Ferndale, which is up in Humboldt County. It's a cow town. There's more cows than people. Ferndale. It sounds very picturesque. Oh, you would not believe how picturesque this place is. <laughs> it's always been like national magazines. It's one of the cutest towns in America. It really is. It's a Victorian village. It's wild. Um, so my childhood was a back and forth. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of who I am and what's shaped me is has been a back and forth between Oakland and Ferndale and the city and the country. I definitely see myself as somebody who is, um, you know, a connector. And I think for that some of that reason is is in is in that story. Being, you know, I'm I'm a mixed background. I'm black and white, and in my little town, me and my brothers were the only black kids in the town for a number of years. Uh, and so I was, you know, th- that was a, a lot of stories in and of itself, right? But uh, being able to connect across difference mm-hmm. is something that I had to do growing up every day, and it's something that I love to do, and it's something that I'm very good at, right? And so I think about my connection to stories. Some of it is just found in that experience. Um, and, and recognizing the power that story has to connect as somebody who has always just been a connector and just wanted to, you know, kind of bring folks together in a lot of different ways. Story is just such a profound way to do that. I, one quick story is, you know, that this actually also revealed itself to me in a life map one time. When I was about 11, me and my brothers were called upon. My dad actually volunteered us. We call it voluntold. He volunteered, he volunteered us uh-huh. that we were going <laughs> to um, do, some, do something for the countywide Martin Luther King Day celebration. And so me and my brothers had to come up with something. And what we ended up coming up with, and we did it for about three or four years in a row, is we would look for African or African-American folktales. And we would sort of dramatize them and act them out. My big brother, he was always, you know, of course, as the big brother, he was always the narrator. And me and my brother, my younger brother, I'm in the middle, we would uh, kind of act out the different characters. And, you know, that experience was an early experience of the power of story for me. Recognizing the the way that it connected to me to my heritage and to the black community that I wasn't living as a part of, but was a part of, right? But I'm not in it. 
uh, that really felt powerful in the way it connected me to that, uh, that part of myself and in the way that it was just so such a cool way to connect out to the community and the way that people responded to those stories. And I still get, I am 39 as of yesterday, and I still get stopped when I go home and say, hey, didn't you used to tell those stories at Martin Luther King Day? Da, da, da. People still tell me that. And so, you know, that's an early example of story and how powerful it was in my life. And, and I think some of the foundation of what brings me to the work is, is there. Yeah. And how important it was for other people too, right? Like clearly you made an impression all these years later, like folks are still, yeah. And happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. It was a wonderful birthday. Got to hang out with Heather and Roman. It was really as good as it gets. <laughs> That's awesome. And Heather, what's your story? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Northern California too, in a mostly white town. And for me, this work and how it relates to my personal story, it was really about in my town and in my childhood, there was a very clear set of expectations of what is normal. And it was kind of like white, middle class, small town culture equals normal. And I, I, I remember the first time that I left the country and I went to visit my sister in Australia and I was 19 years old and I just remember even there, you know, even in Australia, things were so different than home and the way that people interacted with each other, the cult, the customs. And I was like, I kind of felt like, Hey, BS, this is not like, there's a whole wide world out there. And now I've traveled to, you know, over 50 countries and I really feel like, you know, the, we have to break the culture of white supremacy and normalizing the white experience, the white yeah. Western experience. And that's through these powerful stories from around the world. We can really start to see that our culture has space for way more of us to be, to be represented. And so that's really what drives me to do this work is to, is to get voices out in the world unapologetically being themselves. And ha have that reflected on TV, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the newspaper, on TED stages, all over. Yeah, and centering something other than white. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, I think it's centering something other than what always gets centered, whatever that may be. You know, I think yeah. I'm calling back to the story that Callie told, you know, and just the, the importance of that story. It is just not the narrative that we hear that it's okay to to have compassion and forgive your parents, regardless of their missteps. and you know, that, that, um, you know, drug abuse is not necessarily just what it is on its face. And there's, there's always something behind it. Like, those are just not the conversations we hear every day. So how do we center the conversations we're not hearing every day? You know, where, wherever they may come from. Yeah. And how do we break the silence in, in white culture also? Because it's not, it, the, the, the white experience is also not being centered because it's this false, sort of silencing of anything that's happened to us that's hard or not quote normal those stories don't ever see the the light of day yeah I, okay yeah it was I I'm just trying to think like all the different stories that we hear and that you know it's like different experiences and I think the power in sharing all those stories one right is like the common humanity mm -hmm. right and being able to highlight that as well as like to your point like there's no one experience that everybody has, right? Whether it's every black person or every white person yeah. or every um, Hispanic person, like every, 
you are an individual, right? And it's like, and to highlight that, which I, I think is so important. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we all have our unique wisdom to offer. And that's what we really believe. Yeah. And that's what we work. You know, we work with that assumption that anybody we're working with has some, some piece of unique wisdom that only they can communicate based on their experience and story. And, um, you know, there's themes, right? It's not to say, yeah. but, but we're all unique in that way. And, and, and I, I like to think about, you know, there's just what, what I believe is you, you just don't know who you're going to connect with, but we do know that you're the only person who can do it just how you can do it. You're the only person who can tell the story, how you can tell the story. You're the only person who has the story to tell. And it might be the one that this one person needed to hear. Maybe nobody else's story yeah. in the world would have got through in the way that yours did. So, so go ahead and tell it, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Well, I 100% believe, I mean, just from starting this show, you know, again, I, my hope was that I would, you know, be able to help one person, mm -hmm. right? Like I was like, not even one person a week. Right. I was like, let me just help one person through the course of this entire project. <laughs> and I, there's a way that like, I, there was no way I could have predicted who that would be. Right. right? And like, I've had people reach out who, cause I always assumed like, oh, the only people who are going to listen are like my mom mm -hmm. and like, maybe not even her. I don't know if she can, if she knows how to work Apple podcasts or what, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know who's going to listen, but it's been really fascinating to kind of see like how, where this show goes, you know, and there's somebody like I heard from somebody who they were searching a completely different podcast and then saw mine and was like, Oh, I wonder what this is. And then heard an episode that completely changed things wow. for them. Uh and yeah, and I always think like, oh my gosh, like when I was recording that episode, I certainly, I didn't know that, right? There was no way for me to predict who that was going yeah. to, like, you know, where that was going to go or how it was going to help somebody. Yeah. So I think kind of, kind of letting that go too, right? Like letting go of the like, but who is this for? How will this help them? It's like just kind of telling your story and trusting that the person that needs to hear it is going yeah, to Yeah, there it. is an act of faith there for sure. Absolutely. Yep. You guys are my first couple that I've had All on the right. show as like hey. an interview. So I'm super excited. <laughs> and so one of the things that I always do is um, like, whether it's at like dinner parties or wherever, whenever I meet a couple, my question is like, how did you meet? Because I love how people come together because I think it's so fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you for asking. Um, so we met because Heather went to college at where a bunch of my friends from high school went. And it was used to Santa Cruz. Mm. And so I was living in San Francisco. She was in Santa Cruz. And I would get on the Greyhound bus. And uh, Santa Cruz is about 90 minutes from San Francisco. Unless you're on a Greyhound bus. And then it's three hours and 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, then it's like two yeah, days. <laughs> I would take the Greyhound to Santa Cruz and run up to the campus and, and um, you know, track down my friend. And Heather was one of their new friends. And she was just somebody from the very first moment I met her that I found very compelling and exciting and fun and original. And so we were kind of just buddies for years. We had, I think, crushes on each other, certainly friend crushes. And uh, and then, um, but that was it. Were they the kind of crushes that like don't happen at the same time? A little bit of that. You know what I mean? Like how one person's having a crush while the other one's like completely oblivious and then that person moves on and the other one starts crushing. There's a little bit of that. And um, the first time we smooched was on her graduation day from UC Santa Cruz. And then she promptly like left the country. I try to hope that those things weren't related. <laughs> Uh, but when she got back about a year and a half after that, she came to San Francisco where I, I remained. I was still there. And, and that's when we kind of started running together. And, and uh, we've been together ever since. We've been together for over years. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I wrote a really short little poem for Julian's birthday yesterday that that 
that explains that tells the our story, journey. actually. Yeah, good call. <laughs> so should I read it? Yeah, I mean, you absolutely. I would okay. love that. So it's written like, you know, each word has an arrow to the next one. So stranger, friend crush, friend, crush, crush I kissed at a party, who wants some, said with cheese dip on you, I did, friend, crush again, dating, boyfriend, temporary boyfriend, frenemy, boyfriend again, favorite person in the world, co-visionary of the Million Person Project, world traveling partner, love of my life, business partner, someone I'm deeply in awe of, considering combining DNA, someone I made a human baby with, now human living on outside, that is both of us, in awe of you, in love with you, interested in what's next, forever on your team. <laughs> oh, I love that. You're going to make me cry. I know. I, I'm going to love that. That's so sweet. Although I'm super curious about the um the temporary boyfriend frenemy uh, part. Yeah. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, you know, a little suspect coming out of the dance. It was very early on and it just wasn't great. We didn't have good communication. Yeah, no, I didn't have good boundaries. You didn't have good oh, communication. Yeah. yeah. You know the story. But let me... Oh yeah. But, absolutely. but it helped clarify things, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Well, it's funny, right? When you find the person that you like want to learn to communicate with, right? Like that's when you kind of figure out all right. that stuff. Exactly. Right. Good call. I like that. Yeah, I I like that like that. yeah that's yeah. that's where I am right now. Is like I feel like I've been in relationships where like we had bad communication, and I was right. fine with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good. Bye. And now, like uh, Tyler, my partner, we definitely communicate in different ways, but we're both committed to like figuring out what there the other is. person is saying. Like, we're like, okay, we're going to figure yes, this out. That is a true act of love. I love that. That's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we definitely have done that and are continuing to do it. And the baby Roman is providing us with so many more opportunities to, to explore that. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots, Lots of growth. growth, but it has been really, really wonderful so far. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you so much for sharing that poem. That was really like, I feel like that totally encapsulates this whole idea of story and vulnerability and, and sharing that. So thank you. And um, yeah, thank you for being on the show. I'm going to um, link to your book in thank the show so notes. Much. And it's called How Your Story Sets You Free, which I absolutely am all about. And I'm going to go and do all the exercises and make Tyler do oh, the wow. exercises. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes exactly exactly well thank you again so much for being on the show yes it's our absolute pleasure thank you for the great work you're doing and for the awesome podcast and, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of it it is an honor and we're glad to do it wow that's i mean the whole point of the show was to like highlight people who are doing awesome things and and who can help other people do that's their right. damn thing so <laughs> I really yeah, appreciate I it. I love the name when I heard right. it. I was like, oh, we have to email her. This is good. Oh. Yeah, we got to do the damn thing out here. Let's go. <laughs> well, friend, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And uh, be sure to join me next week when I'm talking about what happens when you hit your goal and it's not quite what you thought it would be. You're not going to want to miss that episode. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. So in iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast, be sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a damn thing. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend. All right, my dear. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you here same time, same place next week. All right. Bye for now.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe, share with your friends, or leave a review on iTunes. As we grow the show, I would love to hear from you. What damn thing did you accomplish this week? Is there a topic you're dying for me to explore on the show? Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Do The Damn Thing Show and let me know. I can't wait to connect with you and hear all about the action you're taking in your life. In the meantime, get out there and do the damn thing. Hi, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Alexa. And have you always been curious if Winona Ryder is actually crazy? Are you dying to learn how to stay out of a cult? Then you should definitely check out the Psyched Podcast. The podcast where two psychotherapists analyze real and fictional figures from pop culture and tell you all about the obscure psychological phenomenon that your Psych 101 class didn't have time to tell you about. So grab your cocktail and head over to thepsychedpodcast.com and check us out. And don't forget to go to therapy and get your shit together. Bye. Bye.